0: Hey, y'all. Alex Barinka here, head of external affairs at Verashop and host of Finding Inspo, Verashop's shoppable podcast. Now, my guests on the show are some of the best at turning inspiration into reality by creating products that folks like you and I will love. But sometimes, whether it's hosting the show or in my past life as a tech and business reporter, I come across creators whose essence and energy so clearly match the things they create. Carla Daris, who's the creative director and designer of the fashion brand The Line by K, and who's also my guest today, is definitely one of those people. I first met Carla at Market in New York last year with my colleagues on the Verishop retail team as we are narrowing down the first Line by K styles to bring onto Verishop. Seeing the garments on the racks and on the fit models and meeting Carla, it all just made sense. We saw an elegantly ruched skirt that just slips right on for easy, immediate sultriness. There was a breezy backless linen dress whose purposely crinkled fabric will take you effortlessly through all of the heat of the summer. And there was this mock neck tank that can live in the office or even at a Sunday brunch. Basically, I wanted to take it all home with me. In Carla and her designs, there's this quiet confidence and effortlessness That makes you both admire and want to emulate them. And if you feel the same way I do, you wouldn't be the only one. Carla was one of the early fashion bloggers. And since then, she's amassed a following that totals 150,000 on Instagram alone. So with Carla, I wanted to understand how she developed her unique aesthetic that people seem to love and that ended up being the heart of the line by Kay. And so for our conversation today, we
1: had to go back to the start. I was signed to Geffen Records when I was like 16, and I was in a girl group, um, and we were on CBS in the mornings. It was like a morning program. Um, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, it was like for 10-year-olds. And then eventually the group uh, parted ways, and I uh, decided I still wanted to pursue music. So I had an idea to create some sort of website or blog. But then I tore my, uh, my medial meniscus, I had a oh, knee no. injury, at a dance class, and that sort of changed the trajectory of my life. Um, I've always liked fashion, and so I started the blog, but instead of focusing on music, I created it as an outlet for my love of uh, fashion and art. Um, and I've always, like I said, I've always loved fashion. So at first, I was just talking to myself because I didn't have a, a readership. And then the internet word of mouth kind of got a readership going.
0: Um, when you – have you gone back and looked at your early post? What do you, what were you writing about at the time when you first got started?
1: It was literally uh, mood boards. Mood boards and like collections that I loved and old editorials that I had found on Fashion Spot when Fashion Spot Forum was a thing. <laughs> yes. And – Yeah, I would just create a lot of mood boards. I tried to take outfit photos, but they weren't as good. And (laughs) there were other blogs at the time. And I felt as though like theirs was more professional. So I was like, oh, I'll just take them with my dad. My dad used to take them like in front of garage doors. And then I got a little more creative and upped the ante and found like locations and whatnot. So when you kind of spun up on Instagram, how did that change kind of the trajectory of of what you were writing about and what you were thinking about? I just decided I won't post anything unless it's... um, Something I'm proud to post or something that feels very me as opposed to what every one else is doing or what the current trends are, or whatever. And so when Instagram came, I was still blogging and I would kind of use my blog still to create, you know, editorials. I was inspired by editorial layouts and how people could tell a story or evoke a mood through a photo. So I would focus more on my blog and kind of use those photos on Instagram, but to focus solely on Instagram, it's never been my thing. I really think some people are naturally very good at posting and it looks effortless and whatnot for me, for me, not so much. So I, I love just,
0: your feet. I think <laughs> your feet is great. You. I since moving out of, you know, writing about business and tech, your having an Instagram presence wasn't really a thing. And I've had to think about it more. And it's actually um you talk about this idea of of authenticity or or Kind of it seems like if you didn't feel comfortable in it, if it, if it wasn't like a true moment for you, you weren't interested in, in sharing it. Um, you can kind of read that really through your feed and kind of through your work. I peeked at some of your vlogs from on YouTube. Like you're very... I, I, you're you're very like I, I know I feel like I know who you are based on the content that you're putting out there, which isn't always the case. Um that level of kind of authenticity, how do you think about that in terms of um when you're thinking about both the content you're creating and then um you know kind of how that got leveraged into the line by K?
1: My brother always says if your root is um rooted in the right things, then everything that blossoms from that is true and pure and and real and genuine enough and authentic. And so I really focus on that route. Um, and so everything that I do is sort of like a reflection of that, or like that's manifested. Um, I don't really kind of focus my attention and, and, and think about, okay, how can I make it so it looks genuine? How can I, I just work on other things and I, I have no real like strategy. It just, it just happens because I'm focusing on my roots, if that makes any sense. As it, does. To- it does, it does.
0: And I want to push on that a little bit more because, you know, that – it seems like such a simple thing, but it's actually kind of really hard. I think a lot of us are – just because of the way work is structured and the way life is structured, um, there's a lot of different ladders or standards that you're comparing yourself to in terms of this is how I progress either in my career, in my personal brand, in my social media presence, in whatever insert goal here. Um, Sometimes it's really kind of hard to say, all right, I'm going to take a pause on what everyone else thinks I should should be doing and focus on what I want to do myself Uh, what kind of it do you have any advice for anyone who um might be kind of wrestling with those ideas or trying to even figure out what their root is what is the kind of value set that they um aspire to hold on to and and use that as kind of the root of what they're building
1: well I think it's important to focus on your character and refining your character um being more kind, being more empathetic and thinking on behalf of others and genuinely putting yourself in their shoes and being more selfless and being more um, compassionate and learning how to articulate um, your thoughts and learning how to communicate those effectively, especially if you're in a position of leadership. And I think that me focusing on those things this past year, since my brother came to work with us, because he's the one who's really kind of pushed me. And I would say... um, brought certain things that I kind of just lollygagged through life and didn't really pay attention he's kind of brought them to light and they've become a focus of of mine and you know like if you want to run a company of course you can you can be a a amazing designer or you can be an amazing artist or whatever or an amazing engineer doctor but like eventually that moment that chapter of your life closes maybe you don't do fashion anymore maybe now you do I don't know film production and then you still are the same person so why not Use those moments that are either challenging or you don't know what the hell you're doing to uh, become a better person and become stronger because you could take that anywhere. I can become a better mom, become a better wife. And so that's kind of what I've been focused on. And as you said, all the other things are just, I guess, blessings because I don't focus on what I'm accomplishing. I'm more focused on like who I'm becoming.
0: Well, I want to go back to um, to the moment when you first had the idea to start your own line. Um, so you had this fashion blog. You were, were refining this ability to pull together inspiration ideas. Um, it, talk me through kind of what your relationship was with clothes, and, and then we'll get to that moment when you kind of set this course into action.
1: Um, I mean, in terms of, like, developing – uh, my personal aesthetic, or developing an, an eye for what I uh, was into, uh, I've always like admired effortlessly well-dressed people, and I've always loved fashion. As I said, and I think uh, the foundation to developing, I guess, an eye or your personal aesthetic would be like confidence. And so, and I and I always say confidence is can be faked, but I feel fearlessness is something you can't really fake. And so. I think that sense of confidence comes from practicing, you know, like making mistakes and okay, this worked for me and this didn't. And I used to study thousands and thousands of images um, from like architecture to Joan Mitchell paintings to like old Vogue Australia um, editorials. And I think the more you work on developing your style or developing an eye for what's like artistically cool and beautiful, but also will make sense to like the normal common person, um, the more it becomes natural. And the more it's like embedded in your brain. And so the design process for me or just starting the line by K wasn't really so much the challenge. Like the ideas were already in my brain because like I had done the research before starting. I knew what my identity was in terms of fashion. So it was pretty easy in terms of that uh, whole design process when I was starting. How would you describe your aesthetic? Uh, I don't even know people ask me this and I don't I don't know because I wear all kinds of things and I just started wearing sneakers um, because I wanted to be able to design pants that were like the proper length for sneakers but every time I would design pants I would wear um, heels so to me and I wear heels all the time not so much anymore but or this last three months but because of that um, I started wearing them so I could feel they were more me as opposed to like Mm -hmm. not wearing them and then I don't know what the hell I'm doing so I don't know. I would just definitely describe it feminine. I would describe it classic. And I would describe it maybe modern. I don't know. I never think about like, what is my style? What are three words, you know? I
0: am but- a, a wordsmith. <laughs> so when I think about what what you uh, – when I look at your line and, and I, those are the kind of words mm-hmm. that do jump out at me, It it is – it's very – it's very classy, but it also feels easy. A lot of your pieces yeah, They're very – Definitely. They're breezy, but they're really well – They're tailored and constructed, right? They're not shapeless. They're very shapely. They show off your body in a way, but that's also not um, – too provocative and I don't mean that in a negative like your aesthetic is very similar to kind of what I would aspire to wear every day so I really appreciate that um, and, and when you do think about uh, I think the sneakers thing is really interesting because I think a lot of look I, I think a lot of figuring out your personal self it's a it is about learning what else is out there and it's about trying on a, a lot of different ideas and borrowing ideas from other people until you figure out kind of what works for yourself and and how it works for you and how you can kind of integrate that into your your own place. Um, I, I'm curious for specifics. Like when you're looking at these pictures, these old um, Vogue Australia editorials, you're, you're seeing kind of all of these images that are out there. Are you just looking at them? Do you save
1: them? Like what does that process actually look like? So uh, I used to have the luxury of looking through images back in like 2015. Now I don't get to do that actually it's a lie on the weekends it's like my hobby and my husband he'll say my love you don't know how to just watch a show or <laughs> relax and just do nothing and I'm like no I'm genuinely doing what makes me like happy I'm looking through imagery I'm and and I get excited and so the day that that's not exciting anymore that there, there would be a problem yeah but, um no yeah I would create a folder I'd create a folder um, of you know, label inspiration or whatever and I would just slot in all the different ideas my old mac Book just crashed maybe (laughs) a year ago and it had like 20,000 saved images. And I would do it also for photo shoots, you know, the ways the girls posed and because I've always been interested in how a photo can, like I said, evoke a mood and make you feel like literally you feel sexier looking at Helmut Newton's photos or whatnot. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because of that, I've always saved them to genuinely create inspiration. And I think that's why people do mood boards for collections. But I've always just gone on Tumblrs, gone on forums, or Google, looked up Google imagery. and then just put them in my computer and save them as like a as a reference. I or love it. Time.
0: I I can't watch a a mm. debate or an interview or you know somebody hosting a show yeah. on TV without kind of mentally taking notes and being like, oh my God, that was such a good question. Or I love how they yeah. phrase that because it's it's it's
1: well, because so that's different. what you do
0: exactly. It's so a similar it's like, thing. You can ask a yeah. question one way and get a certain type of answer, and you can ask the same word. the meaning is the same, and you get something else. And I think that's true to also. Um, kind of your process of seeing what is out there, finding the right images, thinking about how how those are interpreted. Um, so, so take me back. So, when did you finally decide? All right, I want to start my own line. It's time for me to have clothing that I've I've designed on my own.
1: Um, I was I was making samples with uh, my tailor, and I would make things for myself that I would wear. So I just wanted to share that with other women is really what it was. And so my dad invested in my idea and I registered for like a DBA. I signed up for a Shopify account. I figured out how shipping works. I found a contractor to help with the production process, um, found a textile distributor, all of that. You know, we live in the age where we can use internet to our advantage. So I just Googled a lot of these things and I would go in person and figure it out downtown, meet with them. the new dye house and honestly i did go to fit them but i think i've learned a lot more by immersing myself in it and by experience and by mistakes and failures and just asking questions like you said asking people underestimate the importance of asking questions um and they think like i'll look stupid or maybe that's not the right question but i think questions are just give you more information that you wouldn't have otherwise um, so now I've been better at asking more questions and not just being, because when you first start, you're like, I was, um, 20 something when I first started 26 or 25 anyway, and I was nervous. So I'm doing this by myself still, cause I don't have like a team and I genuinely feel like intimidated by like the men who sell the fabrics and by like, uh, the fact that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about and I might be taking advantage, uh, of, um, and so those types of things, you know, they are I'm human. So they're in my brain, like, oh, I'm I'm t- nervous. And you have to just gross as Adrian says, sack up. Yep. <laughs> and, and and figure it out. And and um and you will for sure make mistakes. Like I've made so many mistakes. Um, but then the whole point of those mistakes is that the next time you don't do it again or you get better or you see it differently in a better way. So yeah.
0: And can I say I the the older I get and the more people I talk to and the more people I'm exposed to, I think even those of us, like we think of ourselves as successful, people would tell us we're successful. I think we're all yeah. kind of walking this line between faking it till you make it because you're not an expert in every situation, but also yeah. knowing when and how to ask for help. Because if you don't do that, then you know why not leverage the the brains of other people who are better at a certain thing than you are? I think that's a such such a lost opportunity, and I think a lot of people are really scared to ask for help, and and those aren't the people who end up founding companies, or they seem to miss out on opportunity because they're so uh, worried about um, perception that they're actually yeah. not able to, or they slow down the process of getting to where they need to be.
1: I think it's important to surround yourself with people who um, elevate you and push you and not just let you stay stagnant in your growth. Like we were saying earlier, just your, even your character, my brother does that for sure. And like Sometimes I get frustrated because he everything means something to him. He's so detail-oriented and just so passionate. And he always says, don't confuse movement with progress. And so I apply these principles. I apply these things he teaches me through his actions, through his conversations. And I think it's important to have people like that. Maybe not even if you run a company, but just in your life. Um, I've always been, like I said to myself, and so... Uh, working with a team has actually been harder. Like you said, um, having help um, because you feel I can do it better. I know exactly what I want to do. If I have to articulate how to do it, I might not do it correctly and they might do it wrong. Then I failed as a leader and I didn't articulate my thoughts correctly. And now it's all a mess. And so those things I have to, those are my challenges working with other people and like I said earlier, thinking on behalf of them, which is empathy and like, okay, well, they're not going to do deductive reasoning. So let me think for them, make it easier for them. So they feel that they're accomplished. And because I didn't even go to a major university to be around people, to learn that kind of social skill, it's it's more of a challenge for me to work with people. Let's
0: take a quick break from my chat with creative director and designer of The Line by K, Carla Daris. Hearing about her process and how she finds inspo for her clothing, it really got me thinking about a number of past guests who also acted like these creative sieves, absorbing a vast array of inspiration and distilling it all down to actionable ideas. Carla, with her images and mood boards, had me thinking back to my second ever guest, Andrew Cinnamon. He cataloged thousands of images and organized them by the time of day they were collected, all as a starting point to create luxury incense and incense burners. And then there was Lawrence Chandler, the award-winning creative director of streetwear brand Rochambeau, who I spoke to earlier this year. He told me about how he saves thousands of ideas on his phone that are derived from art or culture or the world around him, and he translates those into wearable designs. I so appreciate the instincts required for a creative process like Carla, Andrew, and Lawrence have. If you do too, I highly recommend you go back and listen to those conversations after this episode. And please subscribe to the show so you don't miss my next guest. And to see all of their designs, just head over to the Shoppable podcast page on Verishop. It's at verishop.com slash inspo. And you can shop all the looks we talk about on this show and on past episodes. Now, back to my conversation with Carla. So, so I want to talk about, about the clothes. So you mm-hmm. you you got your, your um, business off the ground solo. You made the rounds, fought to get in front of the right people. You started pulling your line together. Uh, can you talk me through what the first collection was that you were uh, making for people other than just yourself?
1: Uh, it was a bodysuit that had four snaps and it was like a thick rib was my first style. And a skirt that was named after... My best friend that has cord drawstrings on the side. It was like a, it was um what's it called? Ponte skirt. And then I did a t-shirt that was named after my mom and then had the sleeves tacked and it had like ruching on the sides. And it was just like cotton spandex. And those three were my first pieces that I that I launched with. And some people still have them or they still request them. And for me, I'm like, oh, I've moved <laughs> on. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. Like those were like... That's like vintage vintage yeah. the line by K. yeah, those three were my first pieces, and they were I don't even remember the inspiration necessarily for them. Uh, I'm sure I could find the references in the computer that crashed those. <laughs> but um, I just wanted sexy clothes. like you said, I, I the the line by K's aesthetic I can identify as effortlessly sexy, easy and um, and cool or or fresh uh, because I like to make things that are familiar. But looks cool and 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 fresh and modern.
0: They're not tricky. Like like yeah. Like the the silhouettes are things that I think you would recognize. Um, I, I looked at the stuff that that we've brought on in this latest your assortment launch on Verishop Shop, and it's it's a midi skirt, but it's has really cool ruching. It's a, a you know tighter fitting dress or a. Um, a turtleneck, a mock neck, but the fabric is like, there are little, there are little bits that really freshen up and modernize it and make it feel really different, but it's also not scary and unapproachable.
1: I think people are looking for clothes. And someone told me this recently that came into our office that like, they're looking for clothes that last and they're buying like quality and they're buying um, things that they can get the most wear out of. <clears throat> and a lot of times that's high end designer stuff that like a dream's been not in skirt. I know it's not going to fall apart after like, seven times of wearing it. And so we, we try, we, we work really hard to create those building blocks. Like you were saying things that you can wear every day. Like you could literally wear it to the office if you wear a bra. Cause a lot of my stuff can be, uh, I like sheer things and I like to not wear bras. So I try to, I try to make things that you can wear for different occasions for different times and always just feel like a uh, sexy because I think, you know, um, there's a lot of things that Life is already hard as it is. And, and I know that clothes, I'm not going to be like, clothes can change the world. Like I know clothes is like a very, or that industry is very vain and superficial. But I think I do believe in the power of clothes in the sense that, he can alter the way that you carry yourself and make you feel better. I do strongly
0: believe that the, the the products that you have and that you surround yourself are kind of a manifestation of what you think about yourself on the outside, whether that's your clothes, your makeup, your home. Um, but also, um, you know, I'm being much more conscious about what I'm consuming and, and making sure that I'm picking the things that work well. So with your stuff, a great litmus test for me is like if I have to go to New York for a week and I only want to carry a carry on, can I bring some? things that make me feel really great and amazing, but also I can mix and match and wear with a bunch of different things. Those are the kind of clothes that I feel like I go for these days. Um, and I think your stuff kind of fits really, really squarely within that for me.
1: Perfect. No, that's so nice to hear because that's really what I I, uh, I work towards. Um, when I was first, when I first started the I would say I was designing a bit more selfishly and kind of making things I wanted to wear. And slowly but surely i've started to design a little more analytically or at least a little bit more than i was before because before i like i said i was just doing what i wanted to wear and um i still make things i want to wear but like i kind of look at the data that we have via shopify and try to design things that would make sense with people's wardrobe and especially like price point like if they're going to buy something i want to make sure that they can like you said be able to take it when they travel or be able to wear it to dinner and and i'm still finding a way to, uh, or kind of learning how to design more analytically and you know and how to um use the data to my advantage cuz sometimes i get thrown off like i thought you guys would have wanted this shirt in black but you chose the color over the black and i don't understand why you would choose the color and then it's like oh because bright green is trendy right now you're like okay bright green is trendy
0: that is the artist dilemma right like do you, how much do you trust your instincts but also yeah. if nobody if nobody applies value to it then you know it's not commercially viable so it exactly. is kind of that push pull between Um, And I would almost think as you get bigger, that becomes more of a challenge because like you said, at the start you were designing for yourself and if that was kind of your goal was to kind of fulfill this personal, you know, delightfulness that you also wanted to share. But now you are thinking more about, um, you know, how do I make sure that um, I'm, I'm making things that the rest of the world is interested in as well, that, but also true to your aesthetic. So um, I, I guess when you think about that that evolution, how has that really manifested itself in your work? You say you're looking more at the data, but in terms of your kind of like design and inspirational process, um, where does that kind of fit in now? in terms of um, how you think about what you're designing.
1: Well, yeah, like I said, and designing more analytically and looking at the data has really been Adrian to say like, okay, we have, he's like, I'm surrounded by testosterone. I work with my dad and Adrian. <laughs> so they look at numbers. They look, uh-huh. they go by like, um, it's numbers. And so I'm not naturally wired that way, if I'm being honest. I'm naturally wired to be creative. And like, I want to wear a sheer top in the summer with a slip skirt. Or I want to wear... I I just go by feeling, like, how will I feel if I wear this slip dress? That's actually how I start designing collections. I do start selfishly. I'm not going to lie, still. (laughs) But I'll be like, okay, how will I feel if I wear this slip dress with Gabriel to get coffee with little Javiana sandals? Like, that feeling, I want people to feel that feeling, and I guess I'm designing more on the feeling more than when I first start, like, the whole conceptualization of a collection, more than, um, you know, okay, well, black did well last season so this season kind of refining the collection and dropping things and looking at old styles that did well or core styles that should stay remain in the line and so the process is very much so you know I do it on the weekends because like I said I don't have time to do those types of things Monday through Friday because I'm in the office and so on the weekends I'll I don't even I can't even articulate really how it comes about it's just I would say the best way to say it would be, it's a feeling Oh, I I would like to wear that. That would look that would with that with jeans. And then if I go hang out with my mom on the weekend, I pack that. And then I, we go to, we go to a coffee and read together in the sun. And I guess I create like um, situations or feelings that the clothes would fit in and make me feel the best. And I, now that I'm talking to you, I'm realizing, I guess that's how the foundation of the, of a collection starts as opposed to like straight imagery with straight references.
0: And I think that that and I and I I would hope that folks continue to love your stuff and that's something that you can hold on to because then even if yeah. you're pl- applying backward looking data to it and looking what sold well or what didn't you still know that all of those pieces did start with that kind of instinctual emotional yeah. connection that that you started with. So um you know if hearing this like if, if I were you I would also Find some solace in that, and not just you know rely on the data because it seems like all of your not that data is not valuable. Uh, my my uh, my company is extremely data driven, but also you need to have that kind of emotional connection. Again, clothes are about evoking a certain level of emotion in a person. Um, you know, if you don't have that, then I, I I think you're you're just kind of pushing commodities out there, and I don't think that that's what you're trying to do either.
1: No, definitely I. I've always created clothes to make people feel the best that they can feel. And I think some people need to have the confidence to then wear the clothes. Like to go braless is for sure. You know, it's more socially acceptable nowadays because we're in L.A., but we also live in a bubble. Like I think if you go to like the Midwest, (laughs) I don't think braless is – like fully accepted there yet. So in terms of what, what we have, what, you,
0: what you're what um, you creating this year, can you just talk <clears> through <throat> a few of the styles? Um, I'm loving the Cato crinkle midi dress. I think we just posted that on social. We're obsessed with it in the office. Uh, can you just kind of talk through some of the the high points from uh, the current assortment and, and what you're thinking about for this year?
1: Um, this year I was very into like things you could take on vacation. So, a lot of the things, if you notice, they're like already wrinkled. So, you can, like you were saying earlier, you could put them in your suitcase and they'll like travel well. And when you get to your location, you don't need to iron it. Cause that's the worst thing about traveling is not that I travel often, but when I take things, I'm like, bro, now I have to iron it when I get there and yeah. it's annoying. So, a lot of the things I designed this season were inspired by, uh, again, things that are easy, things that will make sense with things you already own. That's kind of always a foundation of every collection. Um, And then I dropped in a few like novelty pieces, things that are a little bit more fun, that are something that you can't wear every day because it'll be obvious you just wore that two days ago. But uh, nonetheless, they're fun and they're a little bit more embellished or a little bit more detailed. And I tried to – like the Selma tank, you guys carry the Selma tank. Yep. That one is, like, very simple, but it has, like, hand – it's done by hand, the pleats on the side and on the top shoulder. And that is, like, your normal tank top, but, like, elevated and yep. different and not just, like, a tank top, which I don't mind at all, but those are the moments where I try to make things that are familiar, but also um, new and fresh.
0: And I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with the mock neck, and I also love a tank that is um, – I it's it's thick on the sides. I it's I mean, would you call that a strap? It, it comes all the way out to your shoulders. It does feel really elevated. Like I could definitely wear that with to a business weaning in the summer with slacks or, you know, a a, a sheath skirt or, or what have you and, and feel totally comfortable. I can also wear with, you know, a high waisted short and a sandal going to brunch on a warm LA Sunday. Like and it would fit in both both situations. And those are the things that I'm I'm really loving. Um so I I, I you are so astute in terms of um, knowing what you're feeling and pulling together outfits. Maybe you can help me and whoever's listening who has the same problem. I tend to be the person who stands in front of my closet and changes like 18 times in a day, and and sometimes doesn't always know how to exactly put the right outfits together. Um, what's your morning process like when you're getting ready in the morning and you're thinking about what you want to wear?
1: I try to. Wa- I do wake up early because some of the days I have to be in the office a lot earlier than other days. Like today. I would have already been there, but it's like 1030 and I'm not home. (laughs) But for for the days that um, for the days that um, I go in early, like I was saying earlier, it's dark and like it's well now it's dark. And so I just grab quickly things that don't need to be ironed, which is why I love things that are textured already or crinkled because it's like, no, it's it's the look. But really, like, it's also easy and I will same process as you. I just open my closet and I'll be like, what do I feel like wearing? I like to wear trousers that are like literal men's trousers, and then I'll belt them. And that's very easy because I can throw on one of our tops, like the Zane which is the one that has marrow, or like something like the Selma or something like the Margo, those things with the open back that you guys carry mm-hmm. too. And you guys are the only ones that carried. Love, okay. <laughs> love it. love it. I'll put something like that on. Cause those, they look wrinkled and then you put them on and like the wrinkles go away. It's, I was like, wow, I didn't even do that on purpose. So I, uh, that's, that's something that I would throw on if it's like, Oh, I want to feel cool. and like, and I, and also like now it's functionality. Like I know I'm gonna have to be in the warehouse a lot. But still, I wear heels in the warehouse. But then other days, I want to feel feminine. I want to feel sexy. If I have worn loose jeans, like boyfriend jeans or whatever, or something that's like massive coats, because I love men's clothing, like maybe on the weekend and my husband's off, I want to wear a skirt and I want to show like my skin and I want to feel sexy. And so then I'll wear something feminine. And it's just really what what I'm feeling. But the clothes, I've already... Um, I've already created a closet and I take out things like if I buy something new, I take out something from my closet cause I don't have the space and, <laughs> and cause we live in a loft and I have to share with my husband. So um, I have a close of things that can like nothing, in, nothing in my closet. Can I not wear or do I not like? <laughs> um, so I do want to
0: ask, you know, you, I know you are not um, driving for Instagram and for social media following, but you do have almost 150,000 followers on Instagram. And I think a lot of people who are not there just want to know, like, what is that like? Like, like, how do you wrap your head around that? Like, what is that like for you in terms of um, having people who are day-to-day interested in what you're putting out there?
1: I mean, I'm very grateful, to be honest, uh, for for the people that have followed me, I get um, messages or we had a pop-up and people come in and they say, I followed you for a decade. And I guess it means so much to me because now everything's oversaturated and so much information. You, you're you so over I, someone that you were into. Um, at least for me, I, I I, will like someone and she'll be so cool. And, and it's mostly literally people who cook and like our health health people. I, I, I'm interested in those types of accounts. But you'll, you'll be into someone and then you kind of not because you hate them or they suck, but like you move on. (laughs) And so because of that, I'm very thankful when they're, when they said, Oh, I've been following you for a decade. Like that's, I'm always like, dude, that's so long to like someone or even be interested in what the hell they're doing. So I'm like genuinely so grateful because I know that for me, you know, like I said, I'd be over it or whatever. And so, um that is, that is really, and like a lot of the messages I get that are so thoughtful and so kind, like, I guess you don't realize because especially working in this industry of fashion and, and just posting outfits after a while, you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm not really contributing to the world in any way. At least for me, you know, I've started vlogging and I've started kind of expressing how I am. Cause I've always been not on purpose, but like I just said, <laughs> I wasn't good at Instagram. So I've always been kind of out of the spotlight or whatever mysterious because that's just how I am as a person. And so sharing more with people and realizing that they can relate or they can use that to keep going, that that bit of advice or information, or maybe, you know, you just, it's so stupid, but like maybe they feel, oh, I'm going to wear that and I'm going to feel uh, better about myself or I'm going to feel pretty that day. Because like we all want to feel pretty and attractive, you know, and making clothes that kind of makes them feel prettier and more attractive. And those things are very, I'm very grateful for those things. Cause sometimes you become a little hard on yourself thinking, like I just said, you're not doing enough or you're not making a big impact like other people are. Um, and so when you get messages of people, you know, expressing their gratitude or whatever it may be, or it's just, it's just a friendly reminder, like, Hey, you're, you're not too shabby. You're, you're making a difference in, I guess, in your own way. And so that's, That's really nice to hear sometimes. (laughs) I
0: think you are. I think it comes back to what we were talking about, right? Other people are always – we all are always constantly barring from other people. And if there's somebody who is – really confident or putting out great ideas or ideas that make you feel better about yourself then I think that that does provide value like I can't be as effective a a partner a friend an employee unless I am on my best personal confidence game so I think all of those little things kind of help um and and can kind of um have they do I think they do have an impact that's all for my chat with the line by k creative director Carla Daris now, do me a favor and hit the subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast right now. The more support I have from listeners like you, the more people the show will be shown to. So one little click from you can help us grow. And as always, you can shop Carlos Designs at Verishop.com slash inspo. Please let me know your feedback on the show. You can tweet me or slide into my DMs on Twitter or Instagram at Alex And I may even read it on the next
1: episode. Thanks for listening and see you soon.